0: Hello, and welcome to the Still to be Determined podcast, the podcast that follows up on topics from the YouTube channel Undecided with Matt Farrell. I am not Matt Farrell. Despite all the comments (laughs) around (laughs) our new YouTube version of the podcast, this is not a double image you're seeing of Matthew on both sides. As somebody pointed out, it's a little bit like a before and after. Yes. Somebody said I was wearing an eighth of a toupee. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Which I, I really, a 2 path was that what, that's what it would be called. A 2 path. That's what that would be, yes. Um, with me is Matt, obviously. Hello. Just as a reminder, we have a couple of ways to support the podcast. First, of course, you can follow the podcast. You can do that through your podcast provider. You can also do that at YouTube, where you get to see us on the screens. And you can also go to stilltbd.fm where we have a link right in the middle of that page, which gives you a place where you can support us directly. And we are appreciative of each little piece of support we get, no matter what it is, whether it's liking videos, following us, subscribing, it all helps the channel. This week, we're going to be talking about Matthew's most recent episode, which was, can nanotechnology solve our battery production problem? Question mark. <laughs> this episode dropped on February 16th, 2021, so it was a belated Happy Valentine's Day to all of his viewers he loves each and every one of you I love you all. Yes you can feel the love. Mm. One of the main comments on this video that I thought was very funny was people talking about the the person you interviewed talking about his accent yeah. and his vocal style. Yeah. And he had people were debating is he a southern California guy is he just a west coaster There was definitely a bit of a surfer bro in there, which was, I found it very charming. I thought he he seemed like a really nice guy. He's really nice. Uh, I like, and I, I loved the kind of the stunned awe that he has about the technology that he had a hand in creating the story that I thought was the most charming was when they very early on realized, Oh my gosh, we have something here that's really kind of incredible describing the single sheet and then one single hole that then yeah. demonstrated that it could actually capture molecules of one size and let the other ones through and that suddenly it was being called a miracle technology in yeah. the trade mags and yeah. his response was we only had one sheet and we had one hole that <laughs>
1: yes. so it's something that you see, it's something that you see a lot in all this kind of research like uh, it was jeff don released a his group released a paper talking about how lithium-ion batteries, this one chemistry they showed a test for, could reach theoretically be a one million mile battery for EVs. And suddenly there were headlines everywhere about million mile battery achieved. It's going to be Tesla's next battery. It was like, whoa, that's not what this research was about. Right. It was about one little tiny part setting a new baseline. It was. It's like the the press tends to grab onto the wrong thing, right? And just run full steam ahead. Right. Which is what he was kind of describing, which I thought was funny. Right. Yeah.
0: I also thought it was really neat that he was talking about, and of course the, the level at which his research is taking place is, has got to be a very small world. So the fact that he's talking about this person that he was partnered with in one area has an office literally next door to Dr. Goodenough, who is somebody you've talked about in other videos. Can you talk a little bit about Goodenough and kind of like, uh, circle back onto that to demonstrate what that connection is. Goodenough's
1: research revolves around battery technology, correct? Correct. I mean, he's he's one of the, the granddaddies of lithium-ion batteries. He was one of the inventors of the technology. And he's actually such a rock star. The thing about him that a lot of people don't know is he invented RAM. Like, <laughs> this, this guy, like, the thing that makes every computer in the world work, right? He invented RAM. It's like, this guy is he's in his late eighties, early nineties now, and he's still working and he's, he's spearheading research into basically, um, like Silicon and salt based batteries and like things that are going to, uh, create batteries that are fully 100% recyclable. It's like, he's still making an impact and he works at the university of Texas and he has a lab full of, you know, researchers and PhD students that work for him doing this research. and. The like insular not, it's not insular, but like the tiny world that you're talking about is his research for batteries at uh university of Texas is like literally right next door to Benny Freeman's uh, group who's in Benny Freeman, the doctor, Benny Freeman is the guy who's kind of like the preeminent membrane researcher in the world so you have benny freeman basically next door to john be good enough and then you have monash university in australia that has some of the leading metal organic framework uh researchers over there and it's like the, everybody knows everybody it's a yeah. very small community and so once uh teague and his group was working on these MOFs, it was like and they created a connection to benny freeman and then it was like okay this could also work on these other technologies it's like hey john <laughs> want to help out over here right. so it's just like this wonderful just kind of like little ecosystem of researchers because it's a very small field right there's a lot of I mean there's a lot of research happening in it but it's like everybody knows everybody and so right. you can start to make these interesting connections where everything kind of loops back onto itself it's it's right. just fascinating and that, that actually at least one of the comments that was in I don't know if you saw it somebody said I get this a lot of why do you uh, there's other interesting technologies like this that are happening around the world. Like it's not all about the U S right. And I thought that was a really interesting comment. Cause it's like, did you not watch the video? Because this is coming mainly out of Australia, right? Like the, the <laughs> it's like, this is, this is a worldwide effort to make what, what energy X is doing is literally a worldwide research effort to make it happen. It's right. not a U.S. technology. It's a global technology that's being pulled together. There's the global
0: aspect and then I also think there's the, the, the discrete fields can become so siloed. And that's mm-hmm. true of of any high-level thinking. You end up yeah. with a siloing effect and the more specialized you become in a thing, the fewer people there are in that thing. And so the conversations become very tight-knit and a little incestuous where you end up with a circle of three people as opposed to 30 or 300 mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the things your channel is trying to do, which is broaden that audience that can be engaged in that conversation and to see these things and make connections. And I've seen that with your commenters who are various, uh, very, very knowledgeable in a, in a number of different fields and they can see connections and make suggestions. And one of the things that came up in the comments on this one was something you talked about in the video, which is the idea of merging this technology with, projects around desalinization or I'm I'm fascinated by the idea that something that is intended on one level to be the mining of a certain mineral could have a byproduct which could be clean water. Mm -hmm. Um, the overlapping circles of that Venn diagram and the results of what you could get in one plant producing both minerals for one area and clean water for agriculture or even drinking. The, the, the fact that the water cleaning process in India requires a removal of fluoride, which from the U S perspective. Yeah. Would never occur to me to think that fluoride would be something that you would need to remove from from water but the levels there being so high that it becomes a semi toxic element affecting bone growth. Yeah. Not only are the researchers global but the potential impact could be global and global in ways that aren't necessarily one to one. Here in the US we would benefit from oh battery technology and in India drinkable water that's not going to have the same toxicity or in areas of Africa. Agricultural water for improving farming in certain areas right so the, the a myriad of results all from one little sheet that has a hole in it to be able to capture yeah uh, capture a certain a certain mineral and his one of the things that was obvious is that his big picture goal is to have a standalone system that is contained within his company mm-hmm. he's coming to it from a perspective of there are curtain curt excuse me certain processes already in place that they can jump into and become a part of he talked about the pool system where they have yeah the the uh brine water as it moves from from area to area and different minerals are extracted at different stages did you get a sense from him. Of what he thinks the time frame is, as far as at what point does the pool system move away and it become these contained stations, which are not a brine evaporation station, but an actual his machinery right. involved completely, hundred percent. Is that a ten year, a twenty year
1: plan? Yeah, I I asked him questions along those lines, and he never gave me a an explicit like time scale he he answered those that kind of question in a broader sense where it was like it's going to happen was along the lines of what he was saying Mm -hmm. but when it happens is going to be based on um demand because as like the infrastructure that's in place now these companies are not going to change they're not going to want to change it um, because there's too much investment behind it. So it's going to happen as he pointed out in the in the section of the video that I did include which was him saying when they have to start ramping up new production because that s curve is going way up when they start have to make new production is when they're going to be like we're not going to make more brine pools we're going to start doing more of this thing over here because it's cost effective takes less space it's faster it's going to save us money so that at that point is when you'll start to see that s curve going up for demand is when you'll start to see fewer brine pools being created, less crazy mining happening and more of this refinement process happening. So he was very vague, but reading between the lines, it sounded like this is going to be a 10 to 20 year right transition for that to happen. Um it's going to be like 2035, 2040 probably before you start seeing why are you creating more brine pools? It's like, just do this thing over here. It's going to save you half, you know, it's going to cost half as much and you'll be able to pump out twice as much. Right. So it's, it's going to be along those lines of decades for this to probably play out. And the overall,
0: you think about the scale of what brine pools, he talked about
1: yeah, it's tens unblocking.
0: of square miles and it's new york and, city it's man
1: it's manhattan yeah it, manhattan is a brine pool that's basically what this
0: is it was interesting to think about how that could be that could be the tripping point not well we're not getting enough but we've run out of land to buy to be able to install these pools and right um and just the uh, the infrastructure involved in actually building that must be a tremendous undertaking
1: and for the industry the fact it takes 24 months it takes yeah. six to 24 months for this process to happen it's it's insane to me that it could be we need some lithium so you're basically having to plan two years ahead of time for this process to happen of we think demand's right. going to be here so we have to like build out some extra brine pools to make sure that we have enough lithium coming out two years from now
0: and demand is That's growing insane. exponentially
1: Right. So it's like, it's going to make it harder and harder to plan ahead if you're using that kind of method. So it's like this kind of technology is going to make it quicker to respond because you don't have to build out this slow moving (laughs) evaporation process. It's, it's, it's a clever technology that they're using today because it's just using mother nature. It doesn't take it cost any energy to do it because it's just the sun that's evaporating off the water where this is going to take energy to do. But the gains that you get out of it are It's, it's going to be, as he put it to me at one point in our conversation, he basically said, there's going to be a point at which these companies will see the savings that will just be like, okay, no, we're just going to go all in on this. It's going to make it an, it's not going to be a hard decision for them to make because the cost is going to be so much cheaper to go this route. And once the first company that does that does it. Yeah. Every other company is going to be like dominoes going down. Every other company is going to jump on board because they won't be able to compete price wise otherwise. Right. Two questions, two follow up questions to that
0: one was what is the vision for the, the battery field aside from lithium? Was it Tesla is
1: involved in looking at something that's a non lithium battery? Was it nickel? They're, they're getting rid of cobalt. They're increasing the amount of nickel in their chemistry and -hmm. they're also starting to increase the amount of silicon in their batteries and silicon is kind of like the holy grail because silicon is so much better at, um, absorbing. Lithium ions. So it's like there's still going to be lithium, but silicon as part of the mix is just really amazing. So it's more efficient. But it's also, it's like imagine a sponge that when you fill it with water, it increases in size four or five times. And then when it releases those lithium ions, it shrinks back down. It grows and shrinks much more than the stuff they're using today. So it can crack and break apart because of this massive expansion Mm. and contraction. So it's figuring out ways to counteract not counteract it but contain it in a way so it doesn't break apart and just fall apart or potentially explode you're building a pressurized battery (laughs) at that point you account for that in the engineering of you have to leave space that's terrifying though that's yeah but tesla has this method of where they're basically encoding putting a coating around little silicon pieces and it's it's very promising and then there's other companies that are looking at using completely different things and different salts and completely like all silicon for most of the battery it's like there's all these different kind of levels of research trying to get away from the materials we're using today that are harder to mine too expensive to mine or they're really hard to not hard but they don't recycle that's like what john b Goodenough is doing is he's looking at batteries that literally could biodegrade like seriously if you took the like if he succeeds in what they're doing there's theoretically a point at which a battery like when it's done you don't have to recycle it. You could just like literally chuck it into a compost heap. Like it's, it could, it basically, cause it's made from just the organic materials that just kind of <laughs> from seawater. It's like, you're pulling stuff out of seawater to make batteries. And it's, it's, it's crazy trippy stuff. That's probably 20, 30 years away, but it's, that's kind of where things are going.
0: I hope I live long enough to see the day where I can take my garbage and just go throw it into the ocean. <laughs> Back to the sea with you. (laughs) (laughs) You're welcome mother nature. (laughs) So a couple of other comments that were made on this this video one was imagine it was it was a very brief comment that you kind of had to parse what they were trying to get to but effectively it seemed like they were saying the speed at which this technology is evolving is far too slow. Mm -hmm. They said imagine having to go through this slow growth either the pool use or even the growth of this technology in particular, imagine having to go through that for 10 years. H is the only answer. And I assume they meant hydrogen as opposed to heroin. It seems like there's this almost a horse race between this style of battery technology, people who are pushing for hydrogen or non the 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 alternate battery route that you've just been describing if you were to put your money on one of those horses which would you put it on
1: it would be some kind of battery technology I don't think hydrogen has a shot in hell right now it's like it's like the betamax versus vhs Mm. it's like it had its time where it looked like the most promising solution but then while it was struggling to come to market batteries found an alternate path that just has been there's been so much innovation in batteries and tesla proving that it's viable today for evs it's like batteries have just outstripped what hydrogen can possibly bring us for consumer transportation there's still hydrogen fuel cells and things like that still have a lot of possibility for other things Um, so it's not going to go away but i think it's gonna be more of a niche player batteries is where it's at within batteries there's kind of a raging debate about like, well, solid state's going to come in and clean house because solid state batteries are where the future's at. I don't necessarily disagree with that. I just don't think it's going to be as earth shattering as some people think. Mm-hmm. So it's like there are solid state battery companies like QuantumScape. Uh, I'm blanking on a couple of the other ones, but there's some solid state battery companies that I think have a real shot at making a real dent because solid state batteries are very safe they don't explode they they're just safe energy dense so it's like it's kind of like the win-win where today you might have 1 ton of batteries in your car it's like with a solid state it could be half a ton you get the same range and it's not going to blow up on you it's like it, there's so many benefits to it that's kind of where things are heading when we get there i have no idea right companies like toyota claim they have solid state batteries that are going to be coming out by like 2024 But when you read into the press releases, it's like, yeah, we're going to show you some cars that are working with solid state batteries in 2024, but they're not going to be available for purchase until 2028. It's like, it's like when you read the fine print of what they're bragging about, it's like, it's still (laughs) a decade away before we start seeing this in a meaningful way. So it sounds like the debate around these batteries is highly charged. okay. (laughs) I, I, I like the way that that was almost like you just laid that you had that joke ready to go. <laughs> you just went. to, that was a long walk for that I joke. Just, shot. I just let it flop out on the table
0: yeah. and we just both stared
1: at it. <laughs> well,
0: I'll, I'll just wrap this conversation up with, I think it was a, an appropriate comment from one of your viewers who said, this is alchemy for the 21st century. It really mm-hmm. does enter the level of, you know we we think about alchemists and and have this vision of them as the the crazy mad scientists who didn't actually have science to back them up and their their visions of turning lead into gold and maybe we're looking at history in the wrong way. Maybe there was a piece of them was like, oh, it's, I'm not turning lead into gold. You just don't understand it. My message is getting watered down for the layman and you would really don't understand what I'm doing here. Mm-hmm. It feels like that's where we are right now. There's this, these visions from these people who know so much about the width of a human hair. And yeah. they're saying, you know, I can use that information in order to create electricity that you can use in your car. And... Well, so I, I just wanted to end with the, this is alchemy for the 21st century. People like me are clinging to people like you who know a little bit more about what's going on.
1: <laughs> well, it's, it's, what's the, what's the saying? It's like a uh, science that's advanced enough appears to be magic. Yeah. What was it? It's like, that's kind of what's going on right now where some of this stuff is so advanced and science on the verge of what feels like science fiction but we are actually making it happen that to the layman's and i lump myself into that group because i am not an expert in this stuff uh it's there's some voodoo going on here of like i don't completely understand what you're doing but wow that's really cool and so it's it's we're at the beginning of a new industrial revolution that's happening with everything from nanotechnology to battery technology to renewable energy we haven't seen something this dramatic for since the industrial revolution you know the early 1900s it's right. like this is not something that happens in everybody's lifetime and we're experiencing it right now and it's kind of weird to try to be like get perspective this is, this is what i'm always trying to do in my videos trying to give perspective of like take a step back and just be in awe of what's happening right now right and where this is going because it's it's gonna be crazy times like this is fa- this fast is people, forward 30 years. Yeah. It's gonna be crazy. <laughs> we're, were we're the
0: people at the world fair seeing a tesla demonstration. Yes. yes. We're, were the people at the world's fair seeing a steam engine pull as much weight as a hundred ox would have to be used to pull that same amount of weight. Exactly. Um, and it's kind of stupendous but it's hard for us to know how to wrap our heads around it and you mentioned science fiction as as a writer and a writer of of some science fiction. In my experience these advances in technology are really blurring the line between what is considered realist mainstream fiction and science fiction. There's a blurring Mm -hmm. of those lines where if you're writing about the world we currently live in you're writing what thirty years ago would have been science fiction as usual transitioning to the second half of our show. Wanted to talk about some TV shows or movies that we've been watching. And I have a coin. I'm about to flip it. (laughs) It's in the air, Matt. Call
1: it. (laughs) Tails. What I love is this is now on YouTube so you can see this. (laughs) It's heads. So I get to go first. All right.
0: (laughs) Two things to talk about. People who have been listening regularly know I've been watching the filmography of Polly Platt. Who was a filmmaker who was lost in the shadows of her first husband who was Peter Bogdanovich but she was involved in the industry for decades and had a hand in making some of the most memorable movies of the era and the most recent movie that we've watched from her filmography is Steve Martin's the man with two brains. This is a movie that I used to watch in high school with my best friend. We probably watched it. I'm gonna just guess 20 times. Um, it's directed by Carl Reiner and it also stars Kathleen Turner who is brilliant as a femme fatale in a story about a brain scientist whose brilliance is second only to his ego and it is if you haven't seen it it is a combination of comedy styles that includes some visual gags slapstick and airplane style pun humor. It has one of my favorite recurring jokes is every time they're in an operating room Steve Martin is calling out for various tools and implements and the camera is very close on his face as he's looking at the person he's operating on he's like scalpel scissors wipe my brow and then you will hear a cat in the background and he'll, yell, get that cat out of here. <laughs> so it's that style of Steve Martin. There is yeah. literally a scene where he's wearing OR scrubs and walking down the hallway and is also wearing rabbit ears, which of course was part of his, uh, his style of comedy at that time when he was doing arena, he was one of the first arena comedians. And so he kind of had to create a comedy style that was Big enough to fill an arena, mm-hmm. like a, a basketball stadium. He couldn't just do, you know, observational humor. So it was he invented a showy type of thing with dancing and banjos and arrows through your head. And so it's that Steve Martin. It's not the father of the bride Steve Martin of fifteen years later. Right. But it's a fun movie. And if you're looking for something that is just a lot of belly laughs without. Um, any kind of deeper things that you had to dig for it's a, is a great movie for that. So I recommend it. The other thing I wanted to talk about was two bits of news from the star wars universe, which got my star wars nerd juices flowing, which I know is a phrase that most people probably did not want to hear when they tuned into this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) The first is a trailer was released for a new animated series in the star wars universe which is the bad batch the bad batch is a group of clone troopers who were introduced in the most recent and final season of the clone wars series it was very obvious to me as we were watching that that this was a secret pilot that they were putting together to see what fan response would be And the bad batch is an interesting concept in that it is a group of clone troopers for whom the development process the growth process didn't work out properly. So each of them has a number of traits that set them apart from what a standard clone trooper would be and they work together turned into effectively an elite commando unit. And the promise of the series looks like it'll be really fantastic in that as the. Republic transitions into the empire and Palpatine now has full control. I get the impression that potentially as a result of the bad growth of these clones, they don't turn order 66 does not work for them and they don't turn and they become mercenaries. And I think that for me, one of the things I'm hoping to see come out of this are storylines where they would be running in parallel to what is going on with Vader and the growth of the empire yeah and the pursuit of the remaining jedi. I think that the stories there could be really fantastic and I'm very excited about that. The other bit of star wars news I want to talk about was this will be a spoiler for people if you're not interested please jump forward by let's say a solid 60 seconds. I don't know the name of the actor but I have heard rumors that they have settled in on an actor to star as Ezra From the series Rebels Mm -hmm. in the soon to be produced show around Ahsoka, Tano. And I'm very excited about that. That got me excited too. He's a great character. I loved Rebels. I loved the storyline of Rebels. And everything that they've teased with her character in appearing in The Mandalorian really like broadcast the idea that Ezra would be returning because of the villain that she appears to be pursuing. So I'm very excited about what that could mean for the storytelling around that show and that character in particular, who was a character that I, I really wanted to see more of. So I'm excited about both of those things.
1: Yeah, it's, I'm, I'm excited for the Bad Batch too. When it was in that season, while I liked it. It, I did not like that they put it into the final season because it, it, like, it was like it was like a right turn in the storyline. I was like, why am I watching three ep- a couple episodes of these guys? This is like out of nowhere. This is weird. And it was clear that they were trying to set up a spinoff. And that irritated me, but I did like them. And I love the idea that they're going to be these. They're already outcasts, but you know that they're going to become even more of an outcast. Like you said, becoming mercenaries because they probably don't turn... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> this when the switch is flipped, they don't s- switch. So it's going to be really interesting to see. There's so much cool storylines that come out of that. So I'm very excited too. And I also there's another piece of st- uh, Star Wars news that kind of came out in a little drip. Um, Ryan Johnson, who is one of my favorite filmmakers today, if you have ever seen, like Knives Out, he did the second new Star Wars film. Um, uh, was Brick? It Brick yeah, uh, one of the best movies it, I've ever seen. He like he is he is one of the smartest filmmakers making movies and he's like in my head I love that style of sci-fi fantasy kind of stuff that he does um he was supposedly after he finished his star wars movie given basically kind of a green light to make a new trilogy that has nothing to do with skywalker it's like go make yourself a new star wars trilogy And then after all the backlash started to happen around his film and JJ Abrams came in and tried to basically retcon everything he had done in his movie and it just turned into this big spat um it was kind of like clear that his trilogy was gone news kind of trickled out that it's not that evidently it still is in some form of uh, process right now where they're still it's potentially still going to happen And hearing that made me so excited because I want to see what he can come up with brand new in the Star Wars universe that has nothing to do with the Skywalker stuff, set up a whole new trilogy from one writer so that it's a cohesive thing where the, the latest three movies were a hot mess because they didn't have, they didn't plan it all out in advance. This, I cannot wait. I hope it really comes through. So to me, that was the Star Wars news that I was the most excited about.
0: Yeah, his his involvement as a storyteller is really promising and yeah. I agree with you and and uh, knives out was born of the criticism of his star wars film. Mm-hmm. He wrote it in response to the fact that the fans came out with knives out and yeah. that there was no telling a story in that pre existing universe was full of landmines and I I disagreed with a lot of the criticism. Um, yep. I did too. It was just it was unfair and and my thing is you know Star Wars should be for different audiences and there should there are different ways to tell different stories to for different audiences and those movies. Technically they were not for you and me they were for children and it Mm -hmm. and I and I thought that was fine. I thought it was fine that they were telling stories for a different audience for whom Luke Skywalker would be an old man. Yep. Like I was I was cool with that um so him doing his own thing and I think that one of the things that's being proved by all the different stories that are coming out of the Star Wars universe right now, it's in a, it has no borders. It can go lots of different places and you can tell very, very small stories and you can tell very, very big stories. And I think that it's exciting to see how different creators are bringing their vision of storytelling to different things at different
1: scales. And yeah. there's a lot of room for everybody. Um, the one thing I was going to bring up was uh, this is this actually comes from a mommy feral <laughs> she uh I, the last time I talked to her she recommended this movie that's on hulu here in the united states you can rent it el- elsewhere it's a russian film called sputnik um she loved it and when you look it up online if you look on rotten tomatoes it has a really good rotten tomato rating and if you look it up on imdb it's got a middling recommendation it's kind of weird how it's like all over the map. Um, I watched it. It's a if you enjoy science fiction movies like alien horror films, it's definitely worth a watch. Um, it's when she told me about it, it was funny. She was like, "It's in, it's subtitled." She said, "So you got to read the subtitles." But there's not that much talking in it. It's not a big deal. <laughs> After watching it, I was like, "Mom, what what movie did you watch?" <laughs> it was like nonstop talking for the first half of the film, where it was just nonstop subtitles and in the second half of the film where I will just say stuff is really starting to happen (laughs) that's all I'll say is there's far less talking and there's more things to watch so there's less talking in the second half so I think that's what she was remembering when she was talking about it but it's a the basic keep in mind
0: that she is a person who has subtitles on most of the time. Yes. So she's, she's, hard she's used to re- she's used to reading probably yeah. every show and movie all the way through. So for her, yeah, an hour of less is probably like oh, there's barely any. So
1: yeah. So the basic plot of this movie, without giving anything away, it takes place I think in the 80s when the USSR was still a thing, and two cosmonauts in space are disconnecting from their space station and about to return to Earth and when they disconnect and on the re-entry something hits their capsule and then you can hear something on the outside of the capsule and the last shot you see this is right at the beginning is like the inside of the hatch thing starting to turn it's <laughs> like what and the next time you see them the capsule has crashed somewhere in russia where it's probably not supposed to be and these two cosmonauts are outside of the capsule and hijinks ensue mm-hmm. um it's a really innovative take on the alien genre. Cause it's very, it's very like much like alien um, where there's this one thing that came back to earth with them, but it twists it in a way I've never seen in a science fiction movie like this before, where it's not, it's not just, Oh, this big boogie monster. It's, mm-hmm. it's a very unique way that it's a very intelligent thing and the way it interacts with the other characters is unique. And it's not like a jump out of the dark, scare ya kind of film. It's just this foreboding uh, mystery box kind of unfolding as to what it is, what it means, and who's the who's the big enemy, who's the big evil thing in the film. It's not what you think it is. And it twists a couple of times in the film before the end. And I wouldn't say it was like a... I was completely like sixth sense. I didn't see that coming. It was I could see where it was coming just before it was gonna happen, but mm-hmm. it was enough of a mystery box that kept me interested throughout. So I would kind of give it a a, a a a mild recommendation. I didn't think it was as great as our mother thought it was, but I thought it was definitely worth watching. I was entertained. And the thing about it that I really took away from it was the director, his name is Igor Abramenko, I think that's how you say his last name. I think this guy's got a huge future like he he's got a this is his first it looks like it's his first full film and it's based on a short film that he did Mm. that was called um, The Passenger. So it looks like he made a short film about these two cosmonauts bringing some of them back to Earth and then it probably got a lot of attention and they funded a full film that turned into Sputnik He's got this, there was a, like there was like hints of Ridley Scott in his filmmaking style. And there was hints of a little bit of a David Fincher kind of aspect. Because David Fincher is all about like very mechanical movements in all of his stuff and like interesting wide shots. And there were some elements of that in there. So it's like, I could definitely see that there's some major filmmakers that have influenced his style, but he he is his own. So he didn't look like he was just mimicking. He looked like he was creating something of his own and it's like he is like I, the last time I felt like this about a filmmaker was honestly it was David Fincher like when I saw seven I was just like blown away like this guy is going to be huge um actually it was alien three even though that was a horrible movie that blew yeah. me away with the, with the style yeah so when seven came out it was like I had to go see it immediately because I knew this guy was going to be big I feel this way about this guy it's like I don't know if he'll become a worldwide success because I don't know of many Russian filmmakers that have really had success going worldwide but this guy he seems like he's got a a future ahead of him so it'd be interesting to watch this film with an eye to the fact that you might see more from him coming in the future so definitely check it out sounds interesting yeah it's one of the
0: things that i'm i'm most excited about with hbo max and netflix and hulu and all these streaming channels one of the things that they're doing is they're they're making access to some of these foreign films and tv series yeah so much easier and yes and the, the brilliant storytelling that has always existed in these other parts of the world is, is finally coming to us. You've mentioned 30 coins recently, Lupin, Um, Lupin, which I just started watching. And after the first episode, I was like, this is a beautiful, like sort of James Bond style of telling a, a heist movie. Yeah. And that marriage of the James Bond style with a heist story is super sleek and, yeah. and the lead actor in it. I'm just he's like, a, he's great. I love him. I'm like this guy, I would watch him do anything. He just yeah. has so much charisma in, in the quiet moments where he's, there's a scene in an auction where he's sitting in the auction and he's just kind of smiling. And I'm just like, this guy's cooler than cool. He's, yeah. like, <laughs> I want to
1: <laughs> be this guy. I want to be this guy.
0: And, uh, the, the ability to, to have access to these things is very exciting. So, yeah, that's a movie that I do have on my radar, and and like you, I heard about it from Mama Farrell. So, yeah, there's there's a uh, another recommendation that I need to catch up with on. So, if anybody out there has checked out that movie or has a thought about the Star Wars universe, some people are exhausted by the growth of the Star Wars universe. I say that as somebody who lives with one of those people who is exhausted by it my girlfriend is of the mind that peak star wars (laughs) maybe there is a little too much of all this stuff i am not in that camp but if any of our listeners are let us know why let us know what you think about that you can find our contact information in the podcast description you can also see it on the description in the youtube page for this video you can subscribe to us through your favorite podcast provider or you can do it through youtube where you get to see our faces and in case anybody's confused about which one of us is which matthew is in the room that is a dedicated film and podcast studio and (laughs) i am the guy who has a paper bag taped to the window behind me to cut back on the glare (laughs) you can also directly support the podcast you can visit still there's a support the podcast link right in the middle of that page you can support us with as little as a dollar and every bit of support whether it's through subscription likes or throwing a buck in the tip jar all of it is helpful and we appreciate all of it please be sure to give us a rating review and share us with your friends it really does help the podcast the podcast helps the channel the channel helps matthew and then i have to find the scotch tape tape the paper bag to my window (laughs) thanks so much for listening everybody we'll talk to you next time